Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's time to jump on in with me once again. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we take a look at inflation's effect on the farm. Input costs are skyrocketing everywhere you look. Thankfully, we've seen increasing crop prices this year that may help to offset some of that. We'll check in with a county agent up in the Texas Panhandle to get his take on the effects inflation is having on Texas farms and ranches. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you happen to be thinking of switching your operation from cattle to sheep or goats, you might need to switch your mindset as well. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Sustainability in agriculture, it's more than a buzzword. That was one of the many breakout sessions at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City this week. I'm Tom Nicoletti reporting from Kansas City and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. The infrastructure package signed into law has dollars earmarked for rural communities. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Inflation is everywhere we turn today, including on the farm. Texas farmers and ranchers are paying more for practically every input they use to produce crops and livestock. Ockletree County Agent Scott Strawn says it's a good thing that crop prices are up this year to help cover those higher input costs, like the skyrocketing price of fuel and natural gas. That really affects fertilizer prices and then just their fuel prices get their jobs done. And even chemicals are directly affected because a lot of those chemicals are derived from petroleum products. But our cost of production has gone way up this year. And so they definitely need these yields and prices that they're getting right now. And to compound the problem, the federal government is trying to raise taxes, which will be passed on to consumers, including farmers. Absolutely. They failed to convince me and most of these producers that a tax increase on corporations is not going to affect us. Most of these producers, if you look at their equipment, their chemicals, seed, it's all corporate, and those corporations are paying more. I guarantee you it's going to be passed down the line. A recent report showed inflation now at the highest rate in 40 years. The Texas Tech meat judging team is building a dynasty. Texas students have once again earned top honors for their meat judging skills. The Texas Tech University meat judging team won its third straight national championship at the American Meat Science Association International Meat Judging Contest in Nebraska. It's not the first time the team has brought home the gold. The university's teams have earned the national title for five of the past seven years. The contest judges a team's ability to determine quality and yield for beef, pork, and lamb carcasses and cuts. 
Three other Texas teams also placed in the top five at the contest. Kansas State University placed second. West Texas A&M brought home third. Texas A&M placed fourth. And Angelo State University won fifth place. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Winter wheat condition ratings continue to struggle here in Texas as dry weather is taking a toll on this young crop. USDA's latest crop progress report shows that drought is having an effect in several areas of the country, including here in Texas, according to meteorologist Brad Rippey. Just general lack of moisture. We've seen plenty of warmth, so that it's not a problem with getting enough warm weather. But we just need some moisture, especially from Colorado and western Kansas southward into Texas. The latest Texas wheat crop ratings show 24% of the crop rated excellent, 38% rated fair, and a whopping 38% of the crop rated poor to very poor. Running sheep or goats in Texas requires a little different mindset than running cattle. James Hunt tells us sheep and goats require a unique approach. As we look at the potential for raising sheep and goats in the Texas High Plains, we're hearing from Dr. Tim Steffens. Dr. Steffens, a range management specialist with West Texas A&M and Texas A&M AgriLife, has told us that our region, while it is known as cattle country, is certainly suited for raising small ruminants. And there are folks out there who are considering a transition. Dr. Steffens says he gets contacted from time to time by livestock producers who are thinking of switching away from cattle. But Dr. Steffens has this advice. Raising small ruminants takes a special mindset. For example, when you're trying to herd cattle, being assertive can help you accomplish what you want. Not necessarily so with sheep or goats. A lot of people will tell you, oh, sheep's the dumbest animal on earth. A sheep is a lot smarter than a cow is. They're just smart in a different way. And they know their safety is in numbers. And you try to cut one sheep off from a group and you're going to have a lot of trouble. And unless you know where the leaders are, it's going to be hard to put them somewhere sometimes. But if you let the leaders take the lead and then you give them some time to go where they need to go and kind of make the decision to go, you can take them anywhere. But too many people, they try to holler and scream and push and shove and they and a goat will take that even less well. A goat's going to go where a goat wants to go. You just got to let them want to go there. More from Dr. Steffens in our next report as we look at how sheep can help with weed control. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The beef industry is making big gains on the sustainability issue. Tom Nicoletti has the story from Kansas City. My guest is Mariah Johnson. She is Senior Director of Beef Sustainability Research with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And Mariah, let's talk about the the progress being made in sustainability uh, throughout the beef industry in the United States. When that began, it was really much more environmentally focused. Through the course of the years, we've really broadened that scope and we're looking at sustainability in a much more holistic manner now to incorporate those economic and those social components as well because we know for an operation to truly be sustainable, to be viable, it has to be economically sound, and those producers have to be making a profit. But we also are taking care of the people, and we're feeding people, and we're taking care of our animals. 
Yes, those are the three pillars of sustainability, economics, environment, and uh, social. So uh, certainly those three areas the beef industry is focusing in on. Yes, we have research underway in all three of those areas of sustainability, and not just individually either. In many of our projects, we're looking at how those things cross over and making sure that when we're trying to think about where can we make environmental advances, that we're also making economic advances in those areas as well and improving people. Lives. Why should cattle ranchers in Texas utilize sustainability practices being beneficial for them? So when we think about the ranchers on their own farm, you have to do what's best for you and you want to continue to make improvements every day. And so oftentimes when we're making improvements um, that are good for our bottom line, those can also be things that are good for the environment and good for us as people. We don't have to pick one or the other. That is Mariah Johnson with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. In Kansas City, I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The infrastructure package signed into law this week has dollars earmarked for rural communities. Gary Joyner takes a look at the impact it could have on rural America. Rural America stands to benefit from the infrastructure package recently passed by Congress and signed into law. The package offers $550 billion in new spending over the next five years. The dollars will boost the resiliency of farms, ranches, and rural communities. It includes $110 billion for U.S. roads and bridges. That's important. Over 40% of the bridges in the United States are over 50 years old. Americans make $178 million trips every day across structurally deficient bridges. It provides an exemption for livestock and insect haulers from hours of service regulations within a 150 air mile radius from their final destination. The package also includes $17.3 billion to shore up our nation's ports and inland waterways and expends $65 billion in broadband expansion. A quarter of America's farm families have no high-speed internet access. This tool is essential to modern agriculture. It also gives families access to online health care and education. Investments in physical infrastructure like broadband will be critical to bridging the digital divide. That's good for precision agriculture technologies that reduce inputs, protect water quality, and improve soil health. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Trade is a hot topic this month, with several meetings touching on the issue, including this week's U.S.-China Leaders Summit. Michael Clements has more on what to expect as these meetings take place. Trade summits this week and later this month will focus on agriculture issues. Monday was the U.S.-China Leaders Summit, followed this week by the North American Leaders Summit, and coming up at the end of the month, a ministerial meeting of the World Trade Organization. Regarding China, Farm Bureau Congressional Relations Director Dave Salmonson says President Biden pressed China to fulfill their Phase 1 commitments. China so far this year is falling a little bit behind. So far this year, they should have purchased about $24 billion of U.S. ag products. They've purchased about $19 billion. But the fall buying season is underway, so we're hoping they reach their ultimate commitment of about $40 billion by the end of this year. As for the future of trade with China, Salmonson says there doesn't appear to be a focus on getting a phase two agreement. Another thing that President Biden said was that he wanted to see the U.S. and China have progress on negotiations that are ongoing, trying to move the economic relationships towards a more productive footing, get it to be more stable and predictable. 
We hope that those uh, negotiations will deal with the issues that are still outstanding, even beyond what was in U.S.-China phase one. Finally, Farm Bureau wants to see the U.S. engage with Mexico regarding science-based decisions for GMO approvals. We certainly hope that that's something that is discussed. Yes, that's uh, an ongoing issue with Mexico, and we believe that's certainly something that could affect trade going forward. There is concerns on the U.S. side of that, an issue that needs to be fully explored. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Endangered whooping cranes are now arriving in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And seeing your dog lose consciousness can be a scary thing. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Seeing your dog lose consciousness can be a scary thing, especially the first time you see it. Dr. Bob Judd says there are a couple of reasons why this may happen to your dog. There are two main causes of dogs losing consciousness, and it is usually a seizure or syncopal episode, and it is important to closely watch your dog to help your veterinarian determine which syndrome is involved. Most of these cases happen at home, and rarely does the veterinarian get to experience the episode. If you can be quick enough, getting a video of the episode is great. I know the first time you will be pretty upset and not able to do this, but many of these episodes recur, and maybe getting a video would be possible. If a video is not possible, observe the episodes carefully because there are differences in the two syndromes of seizures and syncope. Dr. Casey Felber from Austin indicates seizures are related to the brain, while syncopal episodes are generally involved with heart function and sometimes respiratory function. With a seizure, dogs generally have an oral episode prior to the seizure in which the dog will start pacing, have anxiety, seek out the owner, or just stare off into space for a short period until the seizure occurs. With a syncopal episode, there is no warning and the dog simply appears to suddenly pass out. With seizures, it is common for these to occur anytime, especially when the pet is asleep, while syncopal episodes commonly occur after some event, such as exercise, coughing, gagging, urinating, or any kind of excitement or stress. Hypersalivation is common with seizures, but not common with syncopal episodes. After recovery from the event, dogs with a syncopal episode are completely normal, while dogs recovering from a seizure may be abnormal for 30 minutes to an hour. If your dog loses consciousness, observe the animal closely, then call your veterinarian. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Endangered whooping cranes are now arriving in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. North America's tallest and rarest birds have begun making the 2,500-mile journey from Canada to the Texas coast. 
Wade Harrell, Whooping Crane Recovery Coordinator for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, joins us with more. We're somewhere in the middle or probably a little bit past halfway in terms of migration down here to the Texas coast where they winter. Our first sighting in Texas, official sighting, was on October 29th. Uh, which is about a week or so later than we've seen the last few years. But then over the past week, uh, we had a really big push of whooping cranes. It finally got cold in Canada and pushed them further south. Right now, we have 24 of our radio-marked whooping cranes that are on the Texas coast, and 10 are still in migration, all in the U.S., uh, stretched out from North Dakota to Texas that are still in migration as of today. Whooping cranes can only be found in North America. They're currently listed as endangered. Once driven to the brink of extinction, there are now more than 500 whooping cranes. And Harold said it was a good recruitment year for whooping cranes at the breeding grounds in northern Alberta, Canada. The Canadian Wildlife Service had a record nest count, nest survey in May of 102 nests. And then uh, from those 102 nests, they estimated 50 juveniles in their August fledged chick survey. So those are really good numbers in terms of to recruit 50 juveniles down here to the wintering grounds. Hopefully they all make it. The whooping cranes migration from northern Alberta, Canada to South Texas can take up to 50 days. We'll have more on the endangered whooping cranes on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We've seen the cotton market hit the $1.20 level this week. So how did the markets wrap up on Thursday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle closed higher on Thursday thanks to an encouraging export report. December live cattle up 92 cents to 133.15. February live cattle up 85 cents to 137.25. April live cattle up 60 cents to 140.87. The fed cattle market found technical and fundamental support on Thursday, leading to higher prices in most contracts. November feeder cattle was the exception. It closed down 15 cents to 155.92. January feeder cattle up $2.45 to 161.37. March feeder cattle up $2.45 to 163.55. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass had a great cattle sale last week. Oh, I guess it was on Friday. Doug, how did that last Friday sale go in Brenham? We ended up with 1,753 head of cattle. The market looked steady. Let's walk the pins. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, your lower yielding cows bring 18 to 45. Better high yielding cows bring 52 to 68. Lower yielding bulls bring 54 to 78. 
Higher yielding bulls bring anywhere from 82 to 96. I had a few pairs. Pairs bring anywhere from 1150 to 1550. Red cows bring anywhere from 600 to 1200. Little roping kids, steers bring 120 to 160. Heifers bring 119 to 155. Two to three weight steers bring 122 to 205. Heifers bring 111 to 142. Three to four weight steers bring 135 to 212. Heifers bring 128 to 182. Four to five weight steers bring buck and a quarter to 195. Heifers bring 126 to 195. Five to six weight steers bring 120 to 170. Heifers bring 115 to 150. Six to seven weight steers bring 115 to 149. Heifers bring a dollar to a dollar fifty six. Seven to eight weight steers bring 110 to 134. Heifers bring 95 to 127. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yearlings bring 96 to 125. And heiferettes bring 80 to 112. Sounds like you had a good sale. What was the count? 1753. What do you anticipate for this Friday, Doug Bass? I think we'll have a good run again, Mr. Larry. We've got quite a few cattle already up there. Lots of calls. The fish go together. A big set of cows for a man. Get a couple hundred calves. And old market's been good. And, I, and I'm glad these guys are that held on to these cattle. It's paying off for them. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my cell, which is 979 877 4454. And uh, you can call us there at the office, which is 979 Texas Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. I've enjoyed it so much. I'll come back tomorrow. See you then. December cotton down 211 points to $1.17. March cotton down 178 points to $1.15. Analysts say those declines are due to poor export sales and holiday technical selling. Corn opened the day higher but fell on lackluster export numbers Thursday. December corn down two and a quarter to 573. March corn down two and a quarter to 579 and a quarter. December hard red wheat down six and three quarters to 827 and a quarter. March hard red wheat down six to 830 and a half. December crude oil up 60 cents to 78.96 a barrel. January crude oil up 84 cents to 78.39 a barrel. The Dow down 55 points to 35,875. S&P 500 up 15 to 4,703. The Nasdaq was down 58 points to 15,979. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check in and listen to our next episode for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.